1: Yes. Yes. So,
0: and City Slickers 2 Fool's Gold or something like that.
1: Yeah. Every time I hear the word rollin' or hear someone, yeah, you know, like singing the rollin', rollin', rollin' song that sure. roll on, uh, all I can think of is the scene from that movie where it's like rollin', rollin', rollin'. Oh, my ass is swollen. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, so I know this Billy Crystal. Yes.
0: Who were the other people in that movie?
1: I do not remember. I really don't. And, uh, because I, I, I it like, was, it's like, it's three people, right? And there's they're Billy all Crystal, like, Jack Palance, Jack Palance, uh, Daniel Stern.
0: Daniel Stern is the other one. So it's mm. Billy Crystal, Daniel Stern. I don't think it's Jack Palance. I think it's another third person. I think uh, James Palance is like the, the, Guy. I don't know
1: any of these names other than uh Billy Crystal. Uh David Paymer's in it. Um Jeffrey Tamber's in it. Um I don't I don't recognize most of these names. I just I definitely watched it in the theater as a as a kid. Yep. I definitely got in trouble for singing that song as a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which also makes me think of, uh, this is how my brain works, by the way. I started thinking about City Slickers and then immediately jumped to how the other night at the arcade, uh, Captain Ron was on. And I don't remember anything about Captain Ron other than going to see Captain Ron in the theater. Oh, man. (laughs) That That was another one of those movies
0: that were like, it was... It was just, yeah, because that's Kurt Russell, right? Like, that was such a silly, silly movie. Yeah. I feel like, like, Captain Ron and, like, What About Bob? Like, there was, like, a series of movies where it was all, like put the weird character and then put him with a bunch of yuppies and there's your story Yep. you know like you know you know in a weird way harry and the henderson's is kind of the same plot you okay, know like get yeah. your get your uh, off you know not normal person not normal character and put them with a bunch of normal people and hilarity ensues uh-huh. uh and i feel like that's that's in that same vein uh of movies yeah what about bob
1: what about bob i was what about bob just talking about what about bob with someone the other day i just I love that, love that movie. <laughs> he's not gone, so, he's never gone. You <laughs> see? Yes, <laughs> see?
0: Uh, and, and so, uh, for, for those of you who may not be familiar, what about Bob Starr's Bill Murray, who recently was in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It's, it's true. So here is your warning. Uh, we will be talking spoilers about Ant-Man and the uh, Wasp Quantumania for the rest of this uh, episode, well, not the rest of the episode, but for the next part of this episode. So if you haven't watched that movie yet and you wanna remain spoiler free, now's your time to bail. Go to the theater and watch the movie, and then come back and uh, listen to this episode. Yeah,
1: we said we were going to talk about it last week, but I hadn't seen it yet. I actually just finally got around to seeing it a couple nights ago, so I'm excited that we finally can that we can finally talk about it. So, you know we we had talked about uh,
0: in uh, we talk about in our upcoming episode, uh, which by the way is our fifth anniversary episode. <laughs>
1: Big, Five big years deal. of this shit,
0: y'all. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're talking about a movie called Assignment Terror, uh, which came out in 1970, but it's also known as Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Uh, so that is that is the other name of this movie, uh, which uh you can watch over on 2B TV for free. You don't mm-hmm. even have to sign up. You just go to 2B TV and type in assignment terror, and you can go watch that movie. So if you're the type of person that watches movies before we review them, that's where you can do it, yo. Uh and if you're not, if you're like, no, I'm gonna wait for you guys to trash the movie first, you're gonna wait till wait till Sunday. You know, <laughs> hit that hit that subscribe button and then you'll you'll get notified. Yes. So uh so yeah, um ooh, I, I forgot how I got to that. We were talking um, but about Bill Murray. so Bill Murray. Yes. So Bill Murray was in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So now we're getting into our spoilers. But during the episode this coming Sunday, we talk about how comic books were silly. Mm-hmm. And some of the growing criticism however valid I get it I I I understand why people are criticizing the MCU now uh the way that they are I mean it's this is a small subsection of people where it's too jokey it's getting too silly it's always like set up punchline joke I get it um that that it feels too much like that I'm I totally understand where you're coming from. Whether I agree that it's a bad thing falls into a different category because I think so far they've... Wakanda Forever is a really great example of they balanced... Uh, sincerity and seriousness with a couple of good jokes. And Baku has a couple of really good jokes in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Riri has a couple of good jokes, you know, like all the scenes with with Riri, Okoye, and, um, and Princess Shuri, like when the three of them together in, in her like uh, room, super funny. But that movie brought me to tears. Yes, because there's like a little more of an emotional thing tied to it, but like that was a very serious, there were serious parts of that movie and I, I get it.
1: Also it's just a very very good film and it so if you you can look at the MCU in in two ways you can look at it as uh, a series of one-off films that have a connection, that are telling a larger story, but are essentially they're the individual characters of the comic universe. Uh, and so we're going to get different types of stories from those. And if we didn't, it, that would be bad. It, that would get boring really fast. Uh, if you look at it as one giant story arc, um, I think at this point we can agree that the MCU is a tragedy. And every good tragedy has some pretty strong comic relief in order to break that up and make you not just be like so bleak and miserable the entire time. Uh, you know, some of the, the, the best moments in Shakespeare come from the comic relief in his tragedies. Like we were talking not that long ago about Romeo and Juliet and how I still crack up at the, you'll find me a grave man joke. Um, <laughs> And like that's in the middle of a tragic moment of a tragic story, but it's funny. And like to say, oh, you know, Shakespeare made too many jokes in his tragedies, like nobody would say that. Well, no serious like student of, of literature or like film critique would say that. Um, but for some reason, because it's comic books, like we're we're taking ourselves much more seriously.
0: So here's, here's where I fall in this category. And I think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, um, kind of made me realize this is that, you know, the, the argument is, is that it's too jokey. Um, you know, a lot of people have feel this way. I disagree, but I agree in a different way. So I disagree that it's that it's become too jokey. I think it always has been joke. Oh yeah, uh, has been jokey. I think the quality of jokes has gone down. And Amen and the Was Quantumania um, is a really great example uh, to me, is because a lot of the jokes to me, this is my personal opinion, how dare you, were cheesy. Yeah. They weren't like good clever setups. You know, I I look back at, you know, I just rewatched um uh, Iron Man 3 because that was a movie that I I uh, watched a lot. I enjoy a lot of parts of Iron Man 3. It's really just like the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. And I think about the setup and jokes. Uh you know, I rewatched the original Avengers. You know, they you know, I know it's Joss Whedon, but there was a really funny line where he's like, uh you know, uh what about that time there was a security breach and then Agent Coulson comes in and he goes, "Security" This is on you. And it's just such a great, subtle joke. Like the way it was set up, like the way the setup punchline worked was really good. And then you get to, you know, examples of like MODOK and it's like, I've got a butt, ha ha ha. You know, it becomes like a a little more juvenile humor. And I think that's probably the issue that people are having. And I feel that in a lot of the more recent uh, Marvel movies, not the series, in a lot of the Marvel movies that I feel like the quality of joke has gone a little more to the slapsticky and less of the, like, witticism, you know, the bit more witty setup, punchline, meta jokes that, like, it started off with, uh, you know... I again I think you know just because I only I just watched this movie for the you know uh, again but like the you know uh I doubt anything you could say to me you know would uh would surprise me. It's like 10 bucks says you're wrong and then later the he gets on the helicopter and he hands him 10 bucks. That's a that's a very good setup punchline joke, right? Like that is that is a well-placed joke. You know, but like jokes aren't like that as much in the MCU as much anymore, you know, especially with Paul Ruddy's silly.
1: I could go on for hours about this. Uh, you know, start- Starting, like, there's the perspective of, uh, one, we wanted for decades of our lives for superheroes to be taken seriously and, like, presented yeah. well in film. And in order to do that, Marvel put together some very, very strong, cinematic, serious storylines that were all part of this epic tragedy story that brought us to essentially both a conclusion and a new beginning. Uh, But that was, you know, over a decade in the making. And that was like, we have something to prove here. We have to show that superhero movies can be successful and can be, quote, real movies. So that now splits into two arguments. One, we don't have to prove that anymore. We have shown that people will go watch these movies with the fucking weirdest characters that they've never heard of because it's part of the bigger story and because it's fun. And two, it's been now well over a decade and cultural tastes change and maybe people aren't really in the mood for the heavy, serious superhero films anymore, as evidenced by the backlash of all the gritty, dark DC shit that people are like, I don't want this. Like, this isn't fun. And so, like, on the one hand, we have people saying, these movies are too dark and gritty and not fun. These movies are too silly. But... They're all comic books, people. They're all accurate. Every single See, one of them is accurate to right. how comic I think, books are. I think that's
0: why, I think that's where like the, the first set, of, you know, the first couple of phases of Marvel kind of fell in that middle, you know, where it was like, we're trying to be serious, you know, we're trying to show you that like, these can be real movies to, you know, real movies too. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, I did air quotes. <laughs> uh, for those of you not watching on YouTube, I did air quotes. Uh, so, so, you know, it's like, they, they kind of fell in that middle. Like when you think of, you know, uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, you know Winter Soldier. You know I know those are two Captain America movies. You think of you know Iron Man, even Iron Man three. He's he's talking about facing PTSD and stuff like that. Like there's mm-hmm. there's this very you know like uh, trouble you know talking to his spouse about it. You look at End Game where he's like I want to have a kid and I you know or I have now I have a kid and I don't want to you know lose that like talking about like you know keeping the things he has and fam- you know family ties and then of course Tony dying. Sure, you know every time I went to see that movie. Just the entire theater was crying, you know, at that part. It was good. It's serious moments. And I know we're building to that. Um, you know, but I think it, a lot of the movies have fallen into that. But if you look at the early movies, Iron Man is a silly movie. Like it was fun, the whole mm-hmm. movie. It has a couple of it's like, oh, this is so cool moments, but it's not a tearjerker movie, right? Like no. that's not what Iron Man, that's not what Iron Man did. The first Captain America, kind of a little bit silly. Right, Re- you know, Red Skull's a little silly. He's very like you know, showcasey, cartoony villain—the way he looks and the way he acts. You know, we look at—I mean, the, the Hulk movies, I guess, don't count because they're not like they weren't in the same plan of these. I guess if we're if we're talking about the MCU world, they count in canon, but they don't count because they're not under like Feige's rule, right? They're not under the the rebirth of of Marvel in the way that they portrayed movies, uh, portrayed the films. So I get it. I, I get it. I do understand the criticism. I, I do get it. And, and like I said, I don't think that it needs to be less jokey. I think the jokes need to be better. Um, all of that being kidding. said, I liked Ant-Man and Mania. I thought it was fun. And this is something that I say very rarely about movies.
1: It should have been longer. I'm just going to say that that's America's ass. Is not a more clever joke than anything Paul Rudd says, Rudd says in this movie, and that is one of the most commonly touted like comedic moments in the entire original cycle. What I think really stands out about <laughs> this film specifically, though, um, I've heard people and sorry, Casey, I'm I'm referring to you specifically in this case, talk about like oh yeah, we were sold like high stakes on this. First of all, by who? You're listening to to bad people because they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, But also like, I don't think of a movie like this as being high stakes. I think of like a big comic book event, a Blackest Night, a Civil War, a like Infinity Saga, uh, you know, one of those massive multi-title events that spans all of the big like, you know, top tier titles that everybody reads, but also in order to boost sales, dips into the weird side characters that, like, only, like, a few, like, fringe, uh, you know, really, like, super fans that have been following for for decades, or just happen to stumble across because it's weird, would normally pick up. But like, somehow the story affects them too. And so you pick up an issue or two of that title, you're never going to subscribe, you're never going to continue following it, you don't know what's happening. It's weird, it's a little disjointed, but it's fun, it somehow ties into the bigger story, and then you move on. That's how I picture a story like Quantumania. Like, yes, it's part of the whole big thing, but also it's Ant-Man.
0: I, you know, <laughs> yeah, so I think, uh, I, I under, I, I totally understand where Casey's coming from. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think, you know, this is, I, I mean, yes, it kind of was, uh, said like, this is the kickoff of the Kang dynasty. Like this is, this is what Which everybody was saying about it. It's true. <laughs> I don't think so. I actually disagree with that statement at all. I think this was a prequel to the kickoff to the Kang dynasty because yeah, we get another introduction of Kang, but this felt like, a, to me, it kind of felt like a rehash of that one episode of Loki where we see Kang for the first time, or he who remains, but the other Kang. I was like, cool, like, we're telling you who Kang is. The post credit scene felt like the very first time we ever saw Thanos, yeah. right? Like, he wasn't the main, like, Thanos wasn't the driving force of that movie. It's just all of a sudden you see Thanos' face and you're like, oh, shit, next film is going to be a big, big deal. That's how I felt about this film. Cause like, yeah, Kang is in it and we see him do cool shit throughout the movie, but I didn't feel like, the, oh man, now everything's unleashed. I was just like, cool. The next film we see is going to, unle- well, you know, about Kang is going to start the Kang dynasty. This did not feel like the start of Kang.
1: Well, like it's you th- said, we, we got that introduction to Kang in Loki and Kang tells us all about how like this in the entire multiverse war is just different versions of him fighting for dominance and he's the one who's going to stop it. So like that it really, if, if, if anything else like sets up the stake of this cycle of the MCU. But then we've gone a couple years now without any follow-up on that at all. What what felt like it was going to be the follow-through on that, Multiverse of Madness, as we know, was an absolute shit show uh, that made no sense and didn't connect to that storyline at all. So here we finally have, we're back to Kang, and here we see um, uh, presumably that same version of Kang, or a version of Kang who feels very much the same that he is the one that has to uh has to set it all right and to control the other versions of him, and they've exiled him for it. Uh, and we get this now introduction, like he goes from being he who waits to being or he who remains, uh, to being the conqueror. This is where we get the introduction of Kang as a conqueror, as an actual, as a warrior, as a bad guy, and not just like. a a lonely weirdo at the end of time.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, so they did come out and say that this Kang in uh, Quantumania is not he who remains. They are two. Those are two separate Kangs. Okay, well, I mean, Um, that
1: makes sense the way they both describe themselves. It makes sense that they could be the same or they could be two different versions with the same purpose in mind the same intent
0: yeah so he who remains even says uh in that like i'm not the only one to do it right mm-hmm, he's like you mm-hmm. know he's like i i did it um but like you kill me other people are going to come and do it even worse, right? And I think that's where sure. you know, he dies, and then you know Sylvie kills. He remains, and then Kang the Conqueror from uh, Ant Man and the Wasp uh, is the is the, the one of the variants that happens. That makes and sense. And then spoiler: he dies? Question mark uh kind of like yes but maybe not um he dies and then you know he even says which which again is kind of one of my complaints about quantum mania um versus low and this is this is you know been an ongoing complaint is that like You know, I had this argument with S.H.I.E.L.D. where I was like, you created a whole Marvel Universe show, and then it just, you know, after one event, it just is like, eh, we don't exist in the movie world, never mind. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you spent an entire episode giving Kang a monologue, talking about everything, and then you went and did the monologue all over again in Quantumania, and I'm like, I kind of get it, it's a different Kang, so he's gonna say the thing again, I was like, but... Man, like it felt like we had to rush through that, and it felt like that took up time that we could have spent on building the relationship between Scott and his daughter better, yeah. Uh, or you know, or or building up uh, the the time that Janet Van Dyne spent, you know, like like th- there could have been more to this movie. I feel like that could have made the stakes feel higher, which is maybe what you know Casey's argument is that like if you added a little more. To that, like a little more of that buildup, you know, maybe we would have felt because this is the first time we've really seen Cassie as grown up Cassie. Yeah. And we only get like two minutes of them before they go into the quantum realm. So we don't get time to kind of live in that relationship where I think an additional 30 minutes of before the quantum mania or maybe them together in the quantum mania. Would have helped make it feel a little more high stakes because we didn't really get this Cassie and him together. We've got old, you know, young Cassie, but it feels different because she's older and a different person.
1: I just don't think that it needed to be high stakes. And I think that it accomplished anything that it really needed to like could have uh, built on some of those relationships more. Sure. Did it need to? Not really. Like it definitely could. It definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. With it, probably should have, but it, it didn't need to. Could it have omitted the the uh, monologue from Kang? Probably, but they're banking on two things. One, in universe, the the assumption that these characters don't know who he is. So like right. they didn't. You, you can't skip over the explanation of who he is. And two, also the assumption that while you know the like the most diehard fans. And a, like, a subsection of, like, the next group who are, like, into it but maybe aren't super hardcore uh, will have watched Loki. But, like, there's probably a large portion of people who only go and see the, the films or who only go and see some of the films. And an implicit understanding here that not everyone has heard Kang's backstory. And if they're introducing a big villain in the cinematic universe, not just the the television universe... They've got to tell people who he is. So, like... None of that bothered me. I fucking laughed my ass off at Modok. Like, just, like, see, this is was this fun. is our
0: disagreement. I hated Modok the most. I thought he was the worst character. I don't like. Uh, he was like toilet humor for me. And oh, I he's like a terrible humor, character. And I didn't like. Like to me, I was just like, oh god, this is so like cheesy. I don't like it. You he's know, like a, that part really. Uh, like Modok, I I don't jive with characters like that.
1: He's an objectively terrible character. Yeah, uh, I, watched I do a like little bit how of the, they the- made him
0: be, I I liked the idea of like where he came from and stuff. I like that.
1: Like they, yeah, they. You know, they, they I, I watched a little bit of the the animated series. It was it's was Morita yeah. Oswald,
0: right? Yeah. The voicing Modoc.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, it was a little bit too weird for me to convince Ellen to watch Myth with me. I want to finish watching it on my own. Sometimes, like, I don't like the character, but I think it's funny. I think it's weird. I think it's stupid. I loved that it was Darren uh, yeah, from the I, first I movie. like that. Yeah, and I like honestly, the the best line in the whole film was Cassie being like it's never too late to not be a dick. It's too late to
0: not be a (laughs) dick, yeah. I I, I also think Catherine Newton did a really great job as Cassie. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see more of her. Um, One other thing that bothered me about the movie, like I said, I did enjoy this movie. I had fun in this movie, especially the post-credit scenes, specifically the one with Loki, really jazzed me up. I am so excited for that. I love the Loki series. That Mm -hmm. really jazzed me up. Um, Janet Van Dyne did the thing that bothers me in movies, Where she did the like, no, I can't tell you. But it's like, we're about to die. You have to tell us. Like, you spent the half of the movie being like, no, I can't talk about that. Be like, you have to, man. Like, we are dying here. It's
1: really essential that you get into it. Like, I know you don't want to, but like, you really need to.
0: That drove every time she was like, no, no, I can't. I was like, uh, it, like it drove me bonkers. I was like, this is so unrealistic. You were being unreasonable. You like Completely. you were being so unreasonable. Like this is like life or death. Like Ant-Man's daughter is life is at stake. And you're like, nah, I, I just can't get into it. It's like, ah, <laughs> yes, you have to. This is terrible writing. <laughs> that made me really upset. Uh, yeah. That was like the driving for I feel like, They could have that. That was my thing of like what you could have done with more time. Yeah, show us them together more. We only really got a couple of minutes of them actually together. Go back and show her and young Bill Murray, fucking rebel soldier kicking ass. Yeah, go back and show you know more of her with Kang, like siding with him. So that way, when she touches the thing and sees that he's evil, it's more of a heartbreak, it's more of a like, oh no, it's more of a betrayal. Yeah, because we get go back and show she's like, oh, I'm going to help you with your ship. And then like 30 seconds later, she discovers he's evil. And you're like, well, yeah, obviously. So you don't feel the connection between them at all. Yep. Like you have no sympathy for the scenario. Give us more time in that. And I would have been like, oh man, you know, cause you want those moments, especially with a villain like Kang, where you're like, I kind of feel for him, right? Like you kind of like have to half root him on and then be like, oh, but you're bad. But like, I kind of get it, you know?
1: then like the uh, the, again the artificially inflated stakes of like jenna you like you helped him and you abandoned us so like we don't know anything about that because we just like she stopped him from from like fixing his ship and like destroying universes but then like yeah like five minutes after she met him it seemingly he's like i'm gonna conquer shit here and she's like okay cool and like yeah. we but then like you know supposedly like you said she was a rebel fighter we don't see any of that and like they think that she's betrayed them we don't see any of that you know they like some of the rebel fighters end up working for kang we don't see any of that like yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Like that's that is where I think that it, it could have gone better.
0: Now, interesting news has recently come out about this: is that they actually went back as as early as about a month ago and reshot the ending to this movie. Really? So originally, so apparently this is all rumor. This is you know rumor ish uh, type stuff. But apparently, the way the movie was originally going to end is that um, Kang uh, traps. Uh, Kang gets loose. And Ant-Man and Wasp get trapped in the Quantum Mania. That is how this movie originally ended. Is they're stuck in the quantum realm, uh, and Kang gets loose and runs off and you know escapes escapes the day. So they go back and they reshoot the movie, um, and they kill Kang. They mm-hmm. you know they have him get sucked into his his reality drive or whatever and then uh man and, and uh, wasp actually make it out of the quantum mania so there's a, there's a little bit of speculation of after that but that was the redo of the of the plot and apparently the reason is is because it didn't test well that like he, you know, they spent all this time, you know, so he could get back to his daughter. All of Endgame was the goal was to get back to his daughter and, right. you know, get out of this, only for him to like bail on her again and be like, well, do you really care about your daughter then? Yeah. You know, so like they didn't like the way that felt with the ending. Um, but also, you know, with Kang. Um, but the other thing is, is that the question lingering is did they come back to the MCU universe as we know it? Oh. Because the theory is is that they come back to not the world that Ant-Man knew before, that he goes to a he goes to one of the variant universes. So when they get sucked back, they don't go back to their actual universe instead of 616, which is the general uh exception of what the MCU as we know it is is the 616 universe mm-hmm. that they're really in the you know, 524 universe or whatever, where everything's basically the same, but maybe a few things are different. Interesting. Um, theory, I don't think that that's true. I think they do go back to 616, um, but I like where that th- thought process is going. I do kind of like the idea of them going back and then, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate because like, even if, if that is the case, we won't know for, you know, five years, whether that's the thing, decades, unless Ant-Man, right. Unless Ant-Man pops into another film, uh, we would never know that, right? Like we, we would have no way of knowing that. Um, so that'd be very interesting. My next big interesting thing is, uh, do we see Kang at all in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? My assumption is no. I think, I don't think we do at all. Yeah. I, it's just, I don't know how they would, how they're going to do that as a connection. Because, okay. uh, I mean, they're pretty far off, you know?
1: Haven't they essentially said, though, that Kang is going to be kind of a looming presence but won't necessarily be part of, like, the whole cycle? It's not going to be, like, where Thanos was the the connecting villain between, and, like, everything, you know, the collecting of the Infinity Stones. But Kang is going to be kind of like the they encounter him periodically.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I don't, you know, uh, Kevin Feige very specifically said this kicks off, the that Quantumania kicks off the Kang train. Those are his exact words about, you know, this. Hmm. Um, So I don't know if if maybe, you know, because of they shuffled release dates, you know, like the Marvels was supposed to have come out before this. Yeah. So I don't know if the Marvels is gonna have any reference to Kang at all, because technically it was supposed to happen before Quantumania. You know, same thing with Guardians Volume 3. Like, we don't know where that lives in the timeline, even though they come out out in our time like guardians 3 may take place before ant-man we just don't know that yet um so that's where it's going to be interesting of like you know we're going to tell these stories and then like how do they connect Mm -hmm. and if they don't why don't they connect because that's i think the other thing that people are talking about with phase five is the eternals is a really great example of like Okay, how does this connect to everything else? Okay, it doesn't. So why doesn't it connect to everything else? And that's, I think, something that people are owed an explanation to. I think, I think they are. They do ha- have to have some sort of explanation of like, yeah, this just this just happened and it's fine. You know, obviously, we learn later on in She Hulk that you know Eternals does get referenced. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 giant man and you know in the ocean. So you know we know that it's that it did happen and it exists, but I think. I think it's, it can be, it can be both. I think it doesn't, Guardians 3 doesn't have to tie into Kang, but I need to know why. Why doesn't it tie into Kang? Is it just because they're on the opposite end of the universe and it doesn't concern them at the moment, just like anything else? You know, it's not the Avengers or is it just, eh, it happened before all this shit happened. Like, it happens yeah. before the the season finale of Loki, so, like, Kang isn't an issue at the moment, right? Because he's not dead yet, or he who remains isn't dead yet, so that's why, that's why it doesn't tie into the larger universe. I think that's the explanation that people need.
1: I, I also think we're probably likely to start seeing more things that, like, if not fully existing in isolation, are more of a one-off type vibe and less part of, like everything connects to everything else and like has to be watched in specific order. I yeah, that, I just like, think
0: they need to clarify it. That's yeah. all. I think yeah. I'm fine with the one-offs, totally fine with the one-offs, but tell me that, that tell me it's a one-off, yeah. you know, which Fair. I think they, they, you know, Feige recently said like stuff like that's going to happen more often. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah, so what did you guys think of Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp, Quantumania? Also, I think it's very interesting that it's Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, that we have to say it's not just Ant-Man, Quantumania, it's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, interesting. I think that's very interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, so what did you guys think of the movie? Uh, and you know what? Hit subscribe, listen to our brand new episode this coming Sunday. It's gonna be super exciting. We're gonna we- talk about Assignment Terror, uh, and we're kicking off a whole month of Dracula films.
1: Uh-huh. And we're, uh, we're going to be, uh, for, for those of you who have listened to episode one, we're keeping a running tally this month of how many times someone knows the proper way to kill a vampire.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you listen to episode one, you know why uh, that is the case. Uh, so there it is, everyone. Thanks a lot for joining us. We super appreciate it. Join us this Sunday for the fifth anniversary, and we will see you then. Party.